transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in healthcare delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. So our topic today is genomic sequencing, the good, the opportunities for improvement, and the future. My guest is Emily Farrow. She's the Laboratory Operations Director for the Center for Pediatric Genomic Medicine at Children's Mercy Kansas City. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So I love this topic. It's fascinating to me. So let's just kind of first talk about what do you think are the strengths of the next generation sequencing in clinical settings? Um, so next generation sequencing has really just exploded when we look in both the research and the clinical world. Um, it, you know, the Human Genome Project was just completed um, in about 2001, and so already we've moved from taking 10 years and a billion dollars to do a genome to being able to do a genome for a few thousand dollars. And so one of the things that that's really enabled us to do because of the decreasing cost um, of the sequencing and being able um, to put that, the sequencers have gotten smaller. So combining those together, we're able to do genomic sequencing, this next generation sequencing for lots of our patients now. Um, and it allows us, instead of looking at one gene um, at a time, so a patient would come in and we'd say, gosh, they look like they have, um, we think they have a specific disease such as Marfan syndrome, and we would sequence that one gene, and then we would, wait several weeks and come back and maybe have an answer and maybe not and have to go again. Now we can use this technology and we can sequence thousands of genes at once. And it allows us to take a wider look um, at our genome and our DNA to get an answer more quickly for our patients. So that's one of the big strengths of that, this technology. So, so when we talk about that, that's it's fascinating, right? So, so obviously, the technology is is rapidly advancing, right? It's making it hard for the general practitioner out there, like to to, to keep up with this stuff. Um, so, it's really nice having experts like yourself who who can explain all this to us. So, with this, with knowing those strengths, right, being able to do this quickly now and get that information quickly, what are some of the limitations, though, that you see with next generation sequencing? Right, so it's a little bit, um, it can be confusing, and the technology is hard even for experts to keep up with sometimes, where we say, well, we ran the whole exome, which is all the known genes, or we ran your entire genome, but we still think we need, you need to do this other test, or we still don't have an answer. That's confusing, um, I think. It can be difficult um, for non-experts, and it's also difficult for patients. And one of the things is the technology is amazing, but it's honestly not perfect. Um, and so one of the things that it's not good at is that if we look at human disease, we know it's caused by different types of changes. And so what genomic sequencing is really excellent at doing is finding changes that are like misspelling. So it's single changes or small changes in the genome. But we know that some people have disease that it's associated with bigger changes. So big pieces are missing or extra pieces have been, putting, have been inserted into the genome. And that's where uh, genomic sequencing is not as good currently. It's finding those big changes. Yeah, so that's an interesting way to think of it. So when it comes to just the misspelled word, it, it can pick that up, but those big changes are hard 
for the sequencing to pick up. And I'm sure, though, I'm sure that's just a matter of time, right, when the technology catches up with that. But, you know, you said something interesting, like when you're looking at, you know, the entire genome and, and you're looking at specific genes that maybe mutate it and, and, and lead to certain diseases, et cetera. What about, though, like where are we at in really understanding how all of this works together. You know, we know there's concepts of things like epigenetics and how different things like lifestyle and medications and supplementation and all these things can affect um, the genome. Where are we at in really understanding not just that where's that wrong gene, but how this all is interacting together? Right. So I would say we're probably still in our infancy. Um, when we think of inherited syndromes, those Mendelian disorders, We've got a pretty good understanding for a lot of those. But when we start moving into more complex areas where there's probably multiple genes that have changes that are working together, or it is a combination of your your genome or your DNA maybe puts you at a higher risk, but then you have an environmental exposure and understanding where those risks are, that's really still result, residing in the research world. Um, and so there's lots of exciting research going on both in functional genomics, um, both here at Mercy and, and of course, other institutions, um, and also looking at more of complex um, disorders where we think it's multiple genes working together. And so there's still a lot for us to learn. Genomics is really just getting started. Now, what about some of the other technologies that are used um, in conjunction with uh, uh, genomic sequencing, right? What, What are some of the other things that you're combining with this to make it even more powerful? So... As the technology is working and as we're working in development so that we can do all of these things with one test, that would be the ideal thing, is that we all just ordered one test to get it all. Um, there are things that we can use currently to address some of the technological challenges that we see in sequencing. And one of the common ones that we um, run at Mercy and that other people also use is something called an exon array. And so what that's doing is that it's looking, it's a specific test that's looking for small deletions that we would miss by next-generation sequencing, so deletions um, or insertions that we won't be able to see because of the, technolo- because of the way the technology works. Right. Um, but that also would be missed. They're too small for, say, a standard microarray um, to catch. So there's kind of a donut hole of um, types of changes that we're missing. So an exon array, often when you order a test, if you're ordering something clinically and you see um, a reflex to a deletion duplication test, you're often probably getting that exon array in the background, and they're just not even explaining to you what kind of tests that they're they're doing secondarily. All right, but but the ultimate goal, though, correct, is is to have all of this done just through the genomics, like getting the genomic sequencing to a point where we're not missing those things. Absolutely. I mean, there's some really that, exciting research um, applications and and ones that are starting to move slowly into the the clinical world where we would be able to get some of these copy number changes um, and misspellings that we're getting currently with NextGen all in one shot. Right. So so the, the where the current genomic sequencing is good, it's, it's where it's finding that one gene where, like you say, there's that misspelling. The opportunities for improvement is catching those things, those larger deletions, et cetera, that we're now missing. But where are we really going with all this? And and I, you know, I I, I think that's a a big question, and I I know that. But if you're, what do you think? I mean, where do you see really the power of genomic sequencing, and where, what does it look like in ten years? I think 
You know, when we think about the big precision medicine initiative that's been launched and you think about genomics, I think there's really no better pair for that. And I think where we're moving to slowly and appropriately so is where in 10 years and 20 years, whenever that time frame may be, I think it's going to be more common than not to have your genome sequenced. And because, and part of the reason it will be more common is the price will continue to come down, but also because we'll be able to interpret more. So we'll be able to look. So pharmacogenomics is a really important topic. Um, looking to see, well, how are you going to metabolize that drug? Your genome can tell us so that we give you the right dose at the beginning. So that can come, that comes from your genome. Yeah. Or knowing, you know, ultimately as we're still working, hey, we look at your genome and we see you're at higher risk and now we can make these modifications. Or we look at your genome and we see that this drug would work better. So we see that already in, in cancer, particularly in adults, where you can target treatment based on the, the cancer genome. And so I think as we keep working and the research catches up, we'll be able to get so much information um, to help guide most appropriately your health management to you and not just based on the average, which is what we do now, usually. Yeah. Yeah. So someday we almost see, I can almost envision creating, you know, genomic profiles on all of us, right? And, and, and right from the get-go, from the time we're born, understanding those things that we're at risk for, that we're susceptible to, and being able, so even it just, it's going to play a huge role in prevention, right? I mean, don't you see that right. as well? Right, exactly. And, you know, there's several large, you know, NIH nationally funded studies looking at genomes in newborns. And, you know, what are the, the benefits of doing that? And what are some of the risks? And what are the concerns that we need to address? Um, it's, when we start moving down that path. Yeah. It, it, Emily, it's fascinating work. <laughs> I want to thank you for what for all that you're doing, and I know you must um, be working so hard to keep up and, and also to be innovative in the industry, and um, boy, you picked the right field to be in, and, and thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.